You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 51, Reaching Out to Military Families. On average, military families move every three years, which means every three years, these families leave behind their homes, their communities, and their friends to once more build a new life in a new town. More than just being physically exhausting, it's incredibly emotionally and spiritually difficult. In this episode, we chat with Kara and her husband, Air Force Major Gerard, about how they live their marriage and family vocation through the realities of their military life. In the first part of the episode, they explain how their lifestyle has reminded them of the truth that as Christians, all of us are pilgrims on our way to heaven. In the second part of the episode, Kara and Gerard give advice as to how you can reach out to help any military family quickly feel welcomed into a new community. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. So a few weeks ago, my son had his two-year-old birthday party, and at the party, we were talking to some friends that we met last summer, um, a, a married couple, and talking to the, the wife, actually. The husband is, is uh, deployed in Afghanistan, and we were talking about some of the um, struggles and things that uh, they go through as a couple in the military and living across the world from each other, and shame on me for never realizing the real, um, the reality of what uh, they go through and what, what life is like for them. So we began this conversation and um, we felt we just wanted to bring this to the world and kind of start this conversation with other people out there because there are probably people listening that have uh, family, friends in the military, themselves or possibly in the military. Um, and we want to just kind of bring awareness to the, the reality of the situation they're in and, and um, offer them prayer and support and, and some things that we can do for them. So so Kara is actually in studio with me. Hello, Kara. Hello, Alan. And her husband, Gerard, is in Afghanistan where it's almost 11 o'clock at night. Hello, Gerard. Hello, Alan. Thanks for having us. No problem. So before we start in on uh, y'all's situation specifically, can you guys tell us just a little bit about yourselves, maybe, maybe how you met, where you grew up, and that kind of thing? Sure. Um, Gerard and I met in high school. <clears throat> I went to a private girls' school. He went to the brother's school. Uh, but we didn't date in high school. He's two years younger than me, and, you know, that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, we were friends for eight years, very good friends. Um, and then we started dating um, when Gerard was, what, about to enter your last year at the Air Force Academy, right? That's right, yeah, right in the uh, start of my senior year. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then we, we've been married almost 13 years, Gerard's... Uh, as I say, he went to the Air Force Academy, and so he made that decision very young. And then I, upon marrying him, realized, oh, my goodness, I'm a military spouse. I probably should have thought of it before, but <laughs> it's been a, an evolution of understanding really what that means. Um, I have a master's in education and did theater and things like that, but um, I've realized that really military spouse is... is what I am right now at this point. Anything you want to add, Gerard, to that? Oh, Kara covered the the high points. Um, but in terms of uh, why I find myself on the other side of the world, um, I have been in the Air Force for uh, about 15 years now, and uh, I serve as an aircraft maintenance officer. And in all that time, really since uh, my first two years in the Air Force, Kara and I have been married and uh, traveled the world together and sort of defined uh, what our, our marriage and our family are going to be in these uh, unusual parameters. And does anybody ever give you a hard time for uh, 
Oh, I guess you'd be robbing the cradle. It was no, I was going to ask you, but it's really <laughs> no. The only Kara. person that gives us a hard time is Gerard. <laughs> In fact, I had to tell him what, like two years ago, no more age jokes, right, Gerard? Yeah, I. Um, well, so there was there was this like two or three year span where Carrie used to give me a hard time uh, for still being younger than twenty one. And uh, right, well, because I met you when you were prepubescent, right? Which you know, which I appreciated. It made quite an impression on me. And so, escalation being what it is, I figured that you know I, I would have the rest of our lives together to point out the the uh, the offending gap in uh, in the years that separate us. But uh, like like so many things that happened in a marriage, we compromised on that, and uh, I think we're the better for it. Yes. My uh, my wife, Megan, is 10 years younger than I am, and she does not miss a day that she reminds me that I'm older than her. <laughs> um, it's a constant uh, chance for her to give me a hard time every day. So, Oh, yeah. How about, can you guys tell us about your kids? Yeah. Um, we have three children. Timothy's eight. Uh, we like to point out that each one of them was born on a different continent. Wow. So that if we ever have any more, we would have to move to Australia, Antarctica, or South America, or Africa. So anyway, so, Timothy, born in Japan. Japan, He's okay. eight. Um, Lucy, born in Colorado. She's six. And Mary Claire, born in England. She's two. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the longest you've ever lived in one location? Three years in Japan. Three years in Japan. Mm-hmm. What's the shortest? I think it'll be... This year here in Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. Although, Gerard, when we got married, I do remember, I didn't do a whole lot of research into what it means to be a military spouse, but I did ask you how often would we be moving. And you said, oh, about every three years. But you lied. Yeah, I know. Well, that, I think, you know, if you take the long arc of, of, our, of our time in the Air Force together, it might average to three <laughs> years. It's hard to say. We had we had a couple of real short ones. You know, we just had we had an eighteen month stint in Virginia, and then uh, a twenty month stint in Charleston, and those were probably the two shortest before the time that Kara's spending in Pennsylvania right now. So it's all about perspective. Yes. <laughs> so we've moved six times in thirteen years, right? Unless you count Delaware, which would be seven times. I think six is a good count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six and thirteen. And it feels like another continent as well, Delaware. Delaware, yeah. It doesn't count. I always say it's a suburb of Philadelphia. <laughs> right. No, it's really a whole state. It is the first state. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> I see. That. Is that what's on their license plates? I think I yeah, see that all Gerard's, the time. Yeah, Gerard's okay. from Delaware. So. Oh, is that right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have, we have the claim as the first state, and then we're also the home of tax-free shopping, and that's kind of the stuff that goes on the license plates and the billboards. So. <laughs> That's what everybody told me when I first moved to Pennsylvania. They were like, I was like, so, you know, what's to do around here? They're like, you got to go shopping in Delaware. You don't have to pay tax for anything. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first thing I learned. So you guys are both um, grew up Catholic. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. And did did, um, your faith play a part in in, at all in your relationship and the, the decision to get married and to date and that whole thing? Yeah. Huge part. Should I tell Gerard? Sure. Go for it. Yeah, so we were both raised Catholic, um, went to Catholic high schools. Um, both of us sort of followed the same arc, faith arc. Um, we went, once we got to college, we were sort of, you know, seduced by the temptations of the world. Um, and then I went to a Campus Crusade for Christ conference, and um, that's where I made that 
adult decision that everyone has to make, you know, to make the faith your own. And um, and then Gerard, two years later, went to a focus conference, and that's when you made that decision, hon. And Gerard and I had always been in contact on the phone, and he was always kind of, um, you know, making sure he stayed in my life. <laughs> He asked me to keep him on the back burner when I was dating a couple guys. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty much the pickup line of the century, too. The, hey, just hey, keep me yeah. on the back burner in case your relationship doesn't work out. I, uh, you know, I was pretty proud of right. that one. So. But anyway, when he went to this conference, I, I could hear the difference. You know how these things change you. And so mm -hmm. after that, I was like, this guy, he's, he's finally marriage material. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we, we got married very intentionally to see it as, you know, God bringing us together yeah. and as our vocation. So you got moved off the back burner into the front burner. <laughs> He's on the front burner. He's in the hot seat. And the heat's been turned up ever since. Oh, yeah. That's it. It's just been in, in the frying pan the whole time. But no, that was a, um, that was a, <laughs> that was a pivotal year. Um, that focus conference that Kara mentioned out in Lincoln, Nebraska, it happened my junior year at the academy. And it was a year where simultaneously I was, you know, trying to figure out how to be an adult and also figure out what it meant to really live my faith. And then at the same time, also figure out, you know, if I was going to really kind of in, embrace my vocation in the Air Force as well um, and, uh, and get myself to the point where I was of some use, I think, to the country and to, and to Kara and the church in general. And it all, it all sort of culminated that year. So that's, uh, that's what got me, uh, got me into the marriage material status, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so people people that are in the in the Catholic sphere, the Catholic universe, that are um, either dating currently or, or married currently, they have a certain image of what the perfect the marriage should look like. That you should be the, the husband's going to go to work, the the wife's going to stay home. You're going to have 13 children, um, <laughs> white picket fence, the SUV, like that whole that whole kind of um, you know idyllic um, fairy tale image of what marriage is. Um, have you guys encountered that and how, how is it addressed? How, how do you address that in your vocation as marriage? Not, not looking like the, the typical right. Catholic marriage. Yeah. Well, as someone who likes to do things the right way, as if there is one, um, I definitely have struggled and continue to struggle with anxiety that, you know, is this okay? Well, you know, is, <laughs> is it okay that there are times when I don't see my husband for a year, you know, and what, you know, what are we doing to the kids, you know? Um, and especially in recent years, I've started to come to an acceptance and a peace about it and realizing, you know, that, yes, first of all, Gerard feels very confident that this is something God wants him to be doing and it, being in the military. And I feel very confident that I am meant to be Gerard's wife. And so here we are doing this. And so I believe that because we're doing what we, what God wants us to be doing, um, he is using it to refine us, to make us the people that we are meant to be. And that the difficulties can be, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, 28, um, all things work together for good. The difficulties can be how God makes us who we're meant to be. So for example, the him being away this year, um, it's really growing my faith in God. You know, I've, I've always tried to rely on God, but now I actually feel that he's providing for my needs with Gerard not being there. Like I'm, I'm growing in that confidence. Um, 
for our children, you know, I think that they have gained a lot from this unusual lifestyle. They're incredibly adaptable. They're flexible. They're open to new experiences. Their hearts are so open to new people. Um, they've been exposed to diversity. Um, and then as a family, we, we don't know where we'll be one year to the next. And um, we have to trust that God is in control and we're forced to trust that. And that's an important spiritual discipline, you know, to live as if God is the one who is directing your steps. You yeah, said something I, to me one time. No, you, you can go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I think that, um, you know, it, when you when you talk about like, you know, especially, I mean, especially as we're so ensconced in the information age and you've got you know, Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook, and you're just bombarded with images that are tailor-made to project a particular persona or environment as this is who I am, or this is what my family is. And, you know, isn't it perfect? And isn't it just so? I think it'd be really disheartening for a lot of people to, uh, to encounter that and immerse themselves in that and go, oh my gosh, well, the reality of my life doesn't even come close to, you know, what is being portrayed by all the people that I friended on, uh, on Facebook. And, you know, for us with all of the flexibility required in, in this kind of nomadic existence, uh, Kara and I, we move in and out of, you know, roles and responsibilities for the family. Um, just trying to do the very best that we can to provide for the children. And I think also, um, one of the, one of the joys of, of military life is encountering so many people from, you know, all over the world and all different walks of life uh, that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily come into relationship with. And as we do that, and as it sort of broadens our perspective to, you know, all the different ways that people who love God um, build families and build relationships uh, and look for, for God to serve them, it, it fundamentally becomes a lot less about appearances and a lot less about you know, trying to trying to have the white picket fence and keep up with the Joneses. And instead, it becomes much more about substance and much more about relationship and community and relationship with Christ, I think, ultimately. Kara mm. said something one day um, to me about, I was asking her about the moving around and, and just, you know, acquiring furniture and then selling furniture and cars <laughs> and those kinds of things. And, and she was saying it's like a lesson, it's always like a lesson in detachment every time how, um, you know, going from place to place and, and having different stuff in each place is you don't get attached to it and how that's been, you know, could be, can be viewed as a good thing. And, and, you know, something that, um, you know, I know I struggle with just getting attached to, to stuff and not people. And, um, it was, it really struck me like, wow, I really got to, I need to let go of more things in my life that just aren't, that just aren't important just because it's just stuff. Um, can you talk about, can you guys talk about how there's been, situations like that that have allowed you to kind of grow in your faith a little more and unusual situations like that have caused you to really, yeah. Grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we're a pilgrim people, whether you're in the military or not. And, um, this, this world is not our own and this world is not our home. And, um, you know, we're forced to confront that every time we move, we have to keep our, our hands open, not even just our stuff, which can get like destroyed every move. <laughs> um, they're actually our, uh, what Gerard's boss at our last location, their furniture, um, caught on fire 
on the ship that was taking it from the U.S. to oh England. Goodness. And, you know, like we've got nicks and scratches and just um, not but not just stuff. Um, people, you know, like we we make these friends because we believe that. God wants us to open our hearts, you know, to whatever the new experience is and the new person is at the new location. And then two years later, you got to you got to let go. You got to give it up. Not that you give up the friendship, but you certainly give up the convenience of having your friends close by. Um, And so just trying to remain open, you know, don't what I struggle with is not clenching on to the the blessings that I have right now, you know, um, to acknowledge them, but to not, not clench them with like a hard fist. I have to keep my hands open. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, you know, and this is true of all of us, whether we're in the military or not, but we're forced to confront that every two years. Um, and it, it, it is a difficult thing, but it, again, it's a, it's a good, it's good spiritual practice. I feel like being in the military, um, <laughs> gives us an opportunity to practice these things that, that we all should be thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. You get the opportunity. I mean, every couple of years to, to do a, a practical, you know, evaluation of the things that you own and, uh, and discard the things that are, that are not of use. Um, and I mean, it's not, it's still not exactly Franciscan. Like, you know, we have 11,800 pounds of stuff, um, at least last time they weighed it. <laughs> and, you know, uh, so it's, it gets moved around quite a bit. You start evaluating the things that you acquire, not in terms of how they look, but in terms of how much they weigh. And, you know, if it, yes. if it and, and if I it wanted weighed, a table. Yeah. I mean, how it much was it, too heavy. Gerard said, no. <laughs> yeah. How much it weighs and, you know, if it would survive a, a drop from a height of three feet is kind of what you're looking at. And so the the upshot is that you don't, you at least in our experience, we have not gotten super attached to things um, and, and we try not to accumulate too much, um, even though it seems to happen anyway. But the the challenge in, in trying to strike that balance is, you know, as Kara suggested, that, you know, those relationships that you build or these communities that, you know, we become a part of and we and we try to, you know, help them be more vibrant. We try to participate in them fully, um, but knowing all the while that, you know, we'll be saying our goodbyes. Um, so we we've kind of gotten better and better over time, I think, in uh in adding adding value where we can add value to a community, um, and also benefiting from it while still, you know, holding it a little bit loosely, not not being enslaved to it as if it's the it's the only community for us that we could ever feel like we were at home in. And it's probably hard to find stuff that will both survive a three foot drop and is light at the same time. <laughs> it's probably hard to come by. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, especially as much as, you know, you love to try to pick up Target or, or Ikea prefab furniture, um, that stuff survives about two moves and then uh, and then it goes down by the curb. So yeah, it goes styrofoam and bean bags. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's very practical. Yeah. <laughs> so um, speaking of, of people and, and having to. Um, you know, leave people, meet new people. Um, my wife is experiencing that. Um, is beginning to recognize that. I, th- I think is what I'm trying to say. In that, we've both become friends with with Kara, my wife especially. And so they've they do a Bible study together during the week, and they just kind of hang out occasionally here and there. And we've been um, 
you know, each other's houses for some parties and things. And so my wife is, is beginning to realize that Kara is going to move soon. And so she's, it's, she's beginning to kind of, when she thinks about that, it kind of makes her, you know, sad in a sense. And so, but I tell her at least that, you know, it's better to, to the fact that you're going to miss her when she's gone just means that you have a friend now. And that if, if you didn't have a friend currently, there wouldn't be anything to miss. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that you're going to be miss her, but it still doesn't make it any easier to think, um, that she's going to be moving on. And yes, you can maintain relationships, um, um, over, uh, distance, but it's not the same as being, you know, in the same neighborhood almost. So can you guys talk about that, about how you, you, um, just deal with that with coming people kind of coming into your, in and out of your life. And I, I imagine that there's a sense of when you move someplace new, that some people may stand off and not want to necessarily engage in friendship because they think, oh, she's, she's going to be here in a year. He's going to be gone in a year. So I don't want, I don't want to get too close to this person because then I got to have to leave or they're going to have to leave. Mm -hmm. So is that a, is that a reality and how do you deal with that? Yeah, that's something, perhaps it's the thing I find the most difficult aside from, you know, being separated from my husband for chunks of time. Um, I would think, I think that's one of the most difficult things in this military life is, um, have just, it's hard to always be new. <laughs> I, when we move to a new location, I, there's like this exhaustion I feel in social situations. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to. I just want. I just want people to know me. <laughs> the people who know me, I just left them, and and now I have to learn to know more people, and and they have to learn to know me, and that can be very tiring. And sometimes I I think I just I'm not going to make any new friends. I have enough friends. <laughs> Um, and I was complaining once to a, a priest about this in confession, and he said, now where would the world be if, if St. Paul went <laughs> to a new church and said, I'm just not going to make any new friends? Like, this is, this is the life we're in, and we are, we are all meant to, to be in, in relationship. <laughs> That's why we're here. Um, and so we have to make new friends and, and open our hearts to others. And there's a lot of joy in that. And yeah, there's sadness in knowing that we won't be physically close to these people that we love. Um, but I don't know, a lot of things in life that are worthwhile are difficult. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, for us, we, I take kind of a, a shotgun blast approach when we move to a new place and I just kind of try to befriend everybody at once. And, um, and see if, like a puppy dog <laughs> and see if it, you know, and see if it sticks. Um, and so the, the problem, the problem for me isn't necessarily the, the arrival because, you know, especially as a, as an extrovert, that's very exciting for me to find new people and, you know, find new people that haven't heard my stories yet. And I can tell all my stories too, and they'll still find them interesting, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, but then as we, then as we start to wind down an assignment, you know, there's on, on both parts, I mean, on our part, as well as the people that we're friendly with, there's kind of a natural tendency to begin to pull away a little bit, you know, to soften the blow of the separation that's mm -hmm. about to happen. And, um, you know, trying to work against that and still maintain relationship and still maintain intimacy uh, is a challenge. But I mean, even for even for people that don't travel around as much as we do, you know, for folks that that don't move as often, 
you know, individuals and relationships come into your life for a season and they move out of your life for a season again. And so, you know, I try to, I try to be as, as thankful and as grateful as I can that in every place that we've been, we've had wonderful friends and good relationships and good communities. And, uh, and instead of sort of mourning the loss of those things to just be grateful that we've been blessed by them. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's a great perspective. But it is, I mean, I never like to lead with, Hi, I'm Kara. I'm in the military. I'm only going to be here a couple of years <laughs> because I do feel like that's a, a that's difficult for people who aren't in the military to to want to engage. <clears throat> that's that's not a good opener. <laughs> Will you be my friend for 24 months? Right. <laughs> so, exactly. what can a what can a parish, what can a diocese, what can an individual do um, for people that are in the military um, to help their situation? What can what can people do? Well, now, when we're talking about being in the military, you know, when we move to a new place, there is a base there. And there are, you know, services on base. There's often parishes, like a parish on base. And there's there's things you can do on base. Um, but many people also go off base. So they do things <laughs> off base. There's on base life and then there's off base life. And the off base life, I think, is what you're asking about. Like, what can the parishes that aren't connected with the military do? Um, or someone in your situation now that's going to church that's not right. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing I think um, that people in the military, or at least I can only speak for myself, is a feeling of isolation um, because you are constantly losing your community that you've built, um, and so it's helpful to be a part of whatever community you find yourself in, and to and to be welcomed into that quickly. Um, so. If, you know, if the parish can, if there's programs that that the military person can be a part of, you know, and, and not have to feel like you, you need to pay your dues, you know. There's been one or two times where I felt like I want to jump in and I want to be a part of this parish and I want to do this, this, and this. But there's sort of a, a reluctance on the people who are there Um because, you know, they've been so and so has been here 15 years and and mm. this is, you know, the way we do things here. And um, and I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, like a, being welcomed and being quickly welcomed into a community is the most helpful thing. Yeah. Well, you know, Kara, the other thing that, that comes to mind, too, is. Um, your experience in Charleston, you know, what, what you enjoy, were you able to get started at the at the parish that we were attending, which I think was kind of a function of, you know, being folks who knew we were only going to be in that location for a short time, but really wanted uh, a vibrant community of faith. Right. So we, um, yeah, there was a, a need for a women's Bible study and there wasn't one. And so my friend and I, who's also in the military, you know, we're used to just getting things done because we're not going to be around very long. So um, we just sort of started a group and it's still thriving today. And it's sad that uh, that I can't be a part of it, <laughs> um, but that's the the nature of what we do. But, um, the, but because of our military mindset, the idea that we're not going to be around very long. So let's, let's do this now. Let's, let's be a part of it. It's almost like for me, um, cutting through all the, the, what's it called when you first meet somebody? The small talk. Breaking, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So just like let's cut through the small talk, you know, um, in relationships and in 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 ministries. Like let's let's 
get things done and 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 jump in with both feet instead of having to hang back because you haven't been around long or because you're new and you don't know people, you know, like just jumping in and and accomplishing whatever it is, whether it's starting a ministry or being part of a program. Um, <clears throat> that's something that that we I think I would like to feel welcome to do mm. at a parish. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, so here's the question that is probably going to get edited out. Um, <laughs> and that is um, wanting to, going somewhere new and meeting somewhere for the first time and wanting to kind of cut through all the small talk and yes. get right to the real meat of a relationship. Yes. Do you ever find that people are like, are put off by that? Because they, they are like, whoa, why don't I just met you and you're kind of going a little too deep, too fast. And I got to figure that, you know, let's, we got to talk about, you know, Skittles or what, yeah. whatever first before we talk about the things in life that matter. Does that, and you find that you're, is that frustrating or how does that? How does it- yeah, it can be frustrating. And I, I've experienced it a little. Um, yeah. Mil- military people are very quick to want to make friends and, and just like, do stuff together. Um, <laughs> I was actually the person who was put off by it at our first location in Japan. Um, I was a teacher, a high school teacher, and there was a girl down the hall who was also a teacher. And I had been teaching there for maybe like two days. And she comes into my classroom and she's like, hey, my name, am I allowed to say her name? <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's <laughs> like, hey, my name's Shaughnessy. My husband works, blah, 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 blah. Do you want to go out for dinner? And I'm like, whoa, who is this person? But whatever, I needed a friend. So we went out to dinner and then at dinner, she's like, oh, do you want to come over? And next thing I know, like she's inviting me everywhere. And I'm like, slow down. Because <laughs> I had only, you know, been in this military life for like a, a year or so and uh, or two years. And um, and I was kind of like, whoa, like let's- Pumping the brakes yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like we're moving too fast here. But, um, and we're still friends to this day. And since then I've thanked her. I've been like, Shaughnessy, you taught me, like, that's what you have to do. Like you, you don't always want to be the new person, you know? So <laughs> when you're dealing with people who aren't in the military, it's, it's the more welcoming they can be to that kind of mindset, you know, and realize you're not trying to be overbearing and you're not trying to, uh, I don't know, overwhelm them. You, you just need a friend, you know, and you want to be invited places. You want to be invited to their house. You want to be invited to whatever it is that people do who are from that location. Um, and you don't want to have to wait a year for people to warm up to you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Some of the other considerations too, like, you know, we, we talk about it in, in terms of our story and our story is one of, um, of getting married when we were very early in, you know, my Air Force career and and being together ever since. But, you know, the vast majority of the armed services are between the ages of 18 and 26 and don't, you know, there, it's, a, it's only a percentage of folks that go on to make a full 20-year career out of it. So one of the things that, you know, we, we work with a lot in the different squadrons that I've been a part of is trying to find ways for those the young single folks who are maybe their first or their second enlistment to also feel part of a community and it can be it can be a real challenge especially overseas you know when you're in a location and there's a language barrier you know if you're stationed in Japan and you go off base or you're stationed in South Korea or Germany and you go off base it's going to be you know even that much more of a of a challenge to get plugged into a local community um, and feel like you're a part of it so 
it, you know, the, my advice for, for the younger folks is to, is to always, uh, do as much as you can to, uh, to rely on the experience of some of the older folks who might be in your unit or older folks who you might meet around the base, um, and not be, not be concerned so much about, um, hierarchy because military is inherently a very hierarchical mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. and, uh, and to, to do what you can, uh, to, to foster that community. If you are in a position of leadership to say, okay, what, what kinds of events and what kinds of activities can we put together to kind of kickstart these communities and get them to the point where they're self-sustaining, um, I think, I think it's vital. And I think one of the things that really, really helps us out in the military is the, is the chaplaincy, is the, the military chaplaincy. Mm. Um, at all the different bases, any base you go to, there will be multiple chaplains um, for various denominations. And you get the opportunity to, to plug into the communities that they build and they maintain and they foster. Uh, and they're really good at it. We're we're fortunate in the military chaplains that we have. Each of them has you know a, a unique charism and uh, and serves in in multiple ways. Not only serving as as a military officer, but also serving pastorally um, in a way that that really builds these communities that we've derived so much uh, so much goodness from. One of the I'll show my ignorance here on um, military what military life is like. I just assumed that being on on your end, being like that person, you know, stationed somewhere that there's this kind of sense of like band of brothers that wherever you go, you've got the, you're in the same unit. And so no matter where you're stationed, you've got the same kind of guys around you for the last few years. And Carol was telling me that, no, I'm, <laughs> that's not the case at all that you're kind of the same situation she is where you're meeting new people all the time too. And, and as a guy, I know that most guys aren't really um, open to, <laughs> to wanting to go very deep in the relationships. And so it must make that even if you're not looking for somebody who has the same worldview as you, or is coming from the same, um, faith background looking for those kind of friendships, I imagine it's hard to, um, find guys that you can be, um, intimate with. Um, is that, is that true or? I think so. I, um, you know, the, and each of the, each of the armed services has got, you know, kind of its own, its own character and its own personality and its own way of organizing. Um, so, you know, the Air Force, which has been my experience, uh, doesn't, doesn't necessarily organize as, uh, as cohesively at like the platoon level or the company level, the way the army or the Marines do. Um, and so we, we tend to work a little bit harder at, at getting folks to participate in squadron functions and things like that. But when it comes to, you know, finding, um, other folks that you can really connect with on a, on a very, on a very deep level or on a faith-based level, uh, you do sometimes have to search a little bit. Um, again, the, the chaplaincy helps you out with, uh, organizing like men's groups and accountability groups and things like that. Um, but there, there has to be an openness there, you know, for, for folks who may say, you know, I'm really only comfortable hanging out around other Catholics, you know, people who profess and believe, uh, particularly in exactly what I believe, uh, that that's a tall order, you know, and you have to widen your scope a little bit, be a little more ecumenical and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start, uh, participating in this Christian men's, you know, accountability group. And we're, we're going to probably differ on some of the finer points of theology and doctrine, but we're all <laughs> going to be united as brothers in Christ, you know, and that's, uh, and that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing too. That's awesome. A great little time for evangelization too. And, and yeah, like you said, ecumenism is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so one last question for you guys. Um, 
Do you have any um, humorous stories you want to share with us? Uh, do you, did you have a child born while you were in the process of moving? Um, well, all my children. So Timothy was born in Japan, and eight weeks later we had to move back to the States. So, and I was a first-time mom. That was wow. that was pretty difficult. Uh, so an intercontinental move um, for the first what, like month? We like I didn't ha- I didn't have a nursery because we didn't have a home. I was just staying at in-laws and my parents and staying on the floor on a mattress yeah. with Timothy. For the for the first two months, you were basically just living out of your suitcase. Yeah, two at months. Your mom's house and uh, and my parents' house, yeah. Yeah, I don't wow. know if that's a funny story, but it <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it gives you a, an insight. Um, and then Lucy, let's see, Lucy, the other two, so we did not conceive and birth the child in the same spot. <laughs> I would love to to be able to have a baby in the same place where we made the baby. <laughs> um, we moved when I was six months pregnant with Lucy um, to Colorado. And then with Mary Claire, that was a time where I thought, oh, this this time it's going to happen. We got pregnant with Mary Claire. And then what, like two weeks later, you told me we were moving to England. That's right. Yeah. And so you, en- so you ended up moving... We went out to England. Um, we couldn't go really any later than 34 weeks. The doctors wouldn't let Kara fly at more than 34 weeks uh, into the pregnancy. So at 34 weeks, we moved to England. And, um, you know, uh, Mary Claire was born in the uh, the Air Force Hospital there in, in England. Uh, and we didn't actually have any of our, our furnishings or household goods yet. So we brought Mary Claire home from the hospital um, for the first uh, couple weeks, actually, we were sleeping with her on an air mattress in, uh, in our house in England until our, the rest of our furnishings showed up. So that was pretty adventurous. It was, but it reminds you that, you know, you actually don't need all that stuff. And, yeah. um, but it is, it is, that's, that's another thing I'm coming to realize is that this is, this is an adventure, you know, it, it can be difficult, but it is also exciting in yeah. many ways, you know, the travel and, and, uh. The uncertainty can be difficult, but also very exciting. I think one of the hilarious stories that that I always love from the from the first pregnancy with Timothy when we were in Japan was, um, you know, Timothy was born in June, and Kara has a beautiful singing voice, has always sung in the choirs in the various churches we've been in, and so Kara sang uh, Easter Vigil Mass as the cantor when she was about six seven months pregnant that year, and uh, we were in we were in the church hall afterwards. And uh, a, a guy who uh, didn't know us very well and uh, walked up and said, oh, you know, congratulations to a very visibly pregnant Kara uh, and said, and said, when do you do? And Kara said, do what? And the guy, the guy was momentarily mortified. And Kara said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And, uh, and it, was, it was very funny. So you, there, there's a little bit of that kind of uh, that sort of gallows humor that, that goes along with, I think, you know, serving in the military and being in military communities. But also, like Kara says, uh, it, it cuts right through all the, uh, all the pretensions and gets right yeah. to the heart of, hey, let's, uh, let's be friends. Let's be <laughs> Christians together in, uh, in this parish. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, did you ever talk to him after that? Uh, I can't remember. I was too pregnant to care, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Pregnancy. Oh, my gosh. You know what I should tell? Gerard, do you remember when we got to England and they were going to have me take a pregnancy test? 
because the military likes to do things by the book. And, and I, you were 34 weeks pregnant? Oh, yes. So we got to England and my OB back in Charleston said, as soon as you get there, you know, be seen by whatever nurse or, or clinic so that we can make sure that everything's okay and you're ready to deliver And because I have to de- deliver by C-section. Anyway, so I called the clinic right away. We don't, we're living in, it's called TLF, temporary living. So it's like a hotel. So I don't have a cell phone or anything. So even like the smallest task is a little, made a little more difficult without those kinds of conveniences. So I call the clinic. It's one of the many things I have to do that day. And they say, well, ma'am, you're not in our system. Um, I need you to come in for a blood test to confirm the pregnancy. And I was like, did you hear what I said? (laughs) I'm 34. Four weeks pregnant. <laughs> and they were like, I know, ma'am, but you know, this is this is procedure. We need to have, you know, uh <laughs> that's when I had to I was like, I'm sorry, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> and I hung the phone up and I went and I yelled at Gerard <laughs> for dragging me into this military life. And uh we worked it out. I did not go in for a blood test, but um <laughs> it was uh yeah, it was just one of the little frustrations. There, there's many that come with going to a new place, and that was one of them. <laughs> you couldn't just take a selfie and like send her the photo. I know. <laughs> nope, that's not how it's done. <laughs> no, but eventually it was worked out. And the poor, you know, the airman at the desk was just doing what they're, what they're expected to do. To but do, you right? don't, you don't do that to a woman who's jet lagged <laughs> from, <laughs> you know, an eight-hour flight and who's 34 weeks pregnant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wow. That was fun. Wow. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, you guys, it is. it sounds like um, life has been quite an adventure for you and will continue to be for that matter. So um, it's been great having you guys on the show. Thank you so much for um, for taking the time, especially Gerard. Um, it's almost midnight where you are. So thank you so much for um, for calling in and being a part of the show today. Oh, it was my pleasure. It's way more fun than sleeping anyway. <laughs> You might not think so tomorrow, but (laughs) (laughs) so um, before we wrap up, a quick shout out to um, our friend Liz Kinch, who um, (laughs) my sister-in-law, yes, Kara's sister-in-law and and, um, kind of the reason that we we met and and have you guys on the show today. Um, So thank you to her for um, for marrying Matt, who has a sister, Kara, (laughs) and getting us all here together today in the Whisper booth. Um, So. no, we ask you guys for questions. We ask our listeners to send us questions that we can <laughs> that we can answer on the air. Well, today I'm going to send it over to Kara as a question um, for all of our listeners out there. So, Kara, you can take it away. Yes, I do have a question. So, as I've come to more and more acceptance that this, you know, I am a military spouse and this is what I'm doing and this is where God has placed us, I've started thinking um, that this is an opportunity to minister. I hadn't been thinking in those terms, and I, I should have been, but I feel like God's bringing me to that. So I, I've, I've increasingly been getting a tender heart for, you know, my military brothers and sisters, and and I, I want to, to find a way to minister to them um, in a way that is meaningful. As, as Gerard's wife, there are certain um, responsibilities that are tacitly understood that I should fulfill, like help put together holiday parties and for the squadron and things like that. Um, but I really want to address the isolation that a lot of military spouses feel, um, a lot of the stress we feel with deployments and, and children who are put in these stressful situations. I want to help in some way. And I really don't know where to start. I just know that I have this passion now. Um, 
and I feel perhaps called to do this, but I, I'm not a very, I have ideas, but I'm not necessarily a, a business person, an entrepreneur, or a pra- even a practical person. Um, and I know people have gifts in those areas. And, and so what do I start? I need a vector, as Gerard would say. I have these ideas. I want to help. Um, and I want to minister in, in, a, in a meaningful way, but I, I don't know how to start. I don't even know how to do a blog or a Facebook group. I mean, I'm sure it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm not quite sure where to go with it. So there you go. If you have answers for or questions or you want to have a conversation, please write in at Ascension Roundtable at ascensionpress.com. Gerard, thank you again for your service. Kara, thank you for your service. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.